Matthew 26, 14, if you would read with me. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priest and said unto them, What will you give me, and I will deliver him unto you? And they covenanted, covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. Let's skip over to 27, chapter 27, verse 3. This is afterwards, after he had betrayed the Lord. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself. It wasn't a true repentance. We know it from his actions and from what the Bible says. It was a remorse. It wasn't a godly repentance. When he saw that he was condemned, repented himself, and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and elders, saying, I have sinned and that I have betrayed innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See thou to it. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and, he, and departed and went and hanged himself. Verse 9. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord appointed, as the Lord appointed me. So he's quoting from an Old Testament prophecy of, of this action of Judah and the betrayal of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to focus on verse 9, where it says, that, and they took, halfway through the verse, and they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value. They put a price on the Lord Jesus. They put a price on him. Judas thought, we all know this story, it's in all of the Gospels, Judas thought that 30 pieces of silver was sufficient. This is, this is enough to betray the Lord, to betray the Savior of the world. The same time the chief priest of Jesus' day thought that 30 pieces of silver was a pretty fair price to pay in order to have Jesus of Nazareth delivered unto them. It says in the Gospel of Mark that they were glad. When he came and says, what will you give me and I'll betray the Lord Jesus to you, and they coveted for 30 pieces of silver. Said, literally, it says they were glad. This is a good price. This is a good deal for us. There was an exchange that was made. Jesus for the silver in Judas's eyes. And Jesus for the silver from the priest. The Bible is filled with this thought of an exchange. In exchange, what will men give in exchange for their soul? What do men and what do men uh, in practice, what will they and what do they consider when they count the cost? The Bible tells us to count the cost, right? Count what it's going to cost to follow Jesus. Count it. Count it beforehand so you don't get partway down this road and turn back. Decide and then go. Decide and then do. Decide and then follow but there's this exchange. What do I consider worthy enough or costly enough or too costly to choose and commit specifically when it comes to surrendering all to the Lord Jesus Christ? We know of the rich young ruler. That's not a parable. The rich young ruler is not a parable. There are a lot of parables in the Bible, 
but he was a real person. As far as we know, he's in hell today because he esteemed his riches in this earthly temporal life. It could have been five more minutes on this earth. could have been 75 more years, but either way, it's over now, isn't it? He considered his earthly wealth and the ease and luxury that that would afford him in life to be of more value than eternal life. He knew exactly what, what he was choosing. Lord, good master, what shall I do that I inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him, and he says, no, that's too costly. He made a clear choice, right? He went away sad. I guess so. And the Bible says that Jesus loved him. How about that? He loves all sinners, amen? He loved him. He loved the rich young ruler. He considered, he considered that not a good deal, not a good trade. The Bible says, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So we see this thought at the highest level the, with the greatest uh, results, I guess you would say, or consequences, this great exchange. What will we value eternal life at? And what do we value having the things in this life and so forth? It seemed fair. We're going to go back to Judas and the chief priests and elders. It seemed fair to both parties. Seemed like a good, good price. Both parties were satisfied with the price for the Son of God. The priest would soon be rid, or at least they thought, they would be rid of this growing nuisance. Christ, Jesus Christ on this earth, in their estimation, was a nuisance and even dangerous. Why? Because people were, their people their people were following Jesus. Their people were believing in Christ, and they certainly did not believe that he was the Christ. They accused him of being the son of a, a devil, of Beelzebub, and so forth. And by the power of Satan, casting out Satan. And Jesus said, had you known my father, you would know me. But you don't know me or my father. But in their eyes, Jesus was a bother and a nuisance and a threat that was growing, and so 30 pieces of silver to them was going to be a good deal. They were glad. You'll betray him to us. We can't do it publicly when everybody's watching because a lot of people believe on him. But we want to do it secretly, and you will show us where he is, and we can get him secretly. That is a good deal for us. And so we will be through with this threat, so they thought. And the, the, the Jews, the Jewish leadership at this time the elders and chief priests not only had a held power over their hebrew people but they also cozied up to the romans and had a position in rome that they were pretty comfortable with this is pretty nice it talks about it in the bible he's going to take away the romans are going to take away our position they said they had a place okay they had a place with favor with the romans the chief priests and elders and they thought 30 pieces of silver that is a fair trade to be rid of this threat. So they thought it was, there was a fair price and they were satisfied. Judas would have his 30 pieces of silver and his life would be a little easier. His financial burdens a little, a great bit eased and his life would be a little easier. What are 30 pieces of silver? I want to research it. What is that equivalent to? That was equivalent to about give or take, okay, about four months wages. So about a third of your annual income where you work 
it was about a third of that's a pretty good windfall that's a pretty good bloop right in your laps and so this would have been something he probably could never expected to have gotten 30 pieces of silver this is a good deal for me and we see this through the bible okay this same thought judas is i mean i'm sorry joseph in the old testament joseph's brothers right the son of sons of jacob they sold their brother joseph into slavery for 20 pieces of silver joseph was not christ but he was a type of christ how many of you know the bible has types he was a type of christ jesus came unto his own the jews and his own received him not okay when he went in as the in his public ministry went back to his hometown he could not do any miracles there they were offended and they they didn't believe in jesus in his hometown too familiar with him too familiar with the carpenter's son to know the scriptures and to believe that this is the christ Joseph's brothers sold him, his own brothers. It wasn't a bunch of an enemy that came and took Joseph. His own brothers said, 20 pieces of silver, it's a win-win. We were just going to kill him. Now we get 20 pieces of silver, plus we're rid of this, quote, dreamer. Let's see what comes to pass of his dreams now that he had. They thought it was a fair trade, and they would be done with him. It's interesting that neither Judas nor the chief priests of Jesus' day, nor Joseph's brothers were actually rid of the one that they sold, were they? Joseph's brothers, God had sent Joseph before them to preserve life, to preserve the Jewish nation, which at that time would have been 70 people in all. They weren't done with him. They bowed before him, begging for food. And their lives were literally in his hands as the prime minister of Egypt. They weren't done with him. They sold him and thought they were done with him. The chief priests thought they were done, but one day they died and they faced the risen Lord, didn't they? Judas thought he was done with the Lord, with the Lord and got his 30 pieces of silver. And he went out and hanged himself in the remorse and the guilt. Neither was rid. None of them were rid with who they thought they sold. But there's another thought here that I want to to hone in for us and for our purposes this morning. And that is simply this. It's a far greater thought than the 30 pieces of silver and the transaction that went back and forth. In the midst of the transaction, there's this. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, was sold out. Here's chief priest, here's Judas. But in the transaction, they sold out the Son of God. Judas sold him for 30 pieces of silver. He valued him at 30 pieces of silver. I want to talk about that word value. That's why we focused on, on chapter uh, 27, verse 9. It's the fulfillment of the prophecy. The price of him that was valued. Here's the king of kings and lord of lords, and they put a price tag. He's worth this much. And I want us to think about it this morning. Valued. That word valued in the, in, the, that's in the Greek that's used there, it means to prize, to honor, to revere, to fix a valuation upon, to esteem. We esteem, Judah says, I esteem Jesus Christ for 30 pieces of silver, not, not a penny more. I will sell him for that. The chief priest said, good deal. We'll take that. Now, we know from God's word that all of this, Judas specifically, he was actually prophesied about in the Old Testament. 
Jesus knew beforehand that Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, would betray him. He wasn't surprised by it. That's, those things are just mind-blowing, okay, that God would know ahead of time, but he did know ahead of time. It was spoken of hundreds of years before in the, in the Psalms, the Psalms about this betrayal. It was the means by which, God, God, so God used it. Judas's betrayal of Jesus Christ was the means, God used it as the means, by which he was delivered by the chief, to the chief priests and the Jews of his day and ultimately delivered to Pontius Pilate where he would die on the cross for our sins and the sins of the world. Okay, uh, This does not excuse Judas in any way. Y'all understand that. That's not really what this sermon's about, but the fact that the Lord used it and knew it was going to happen and allowed it to play out does not excuse Judas somehow and say he's guiltless. He was guilty, guilty of sin, okay? And what he did in betraying the Lord, but the Lord knew he would do that. The psalmist says, Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Now, David wrote this, and he certainly was betrayed by many people in his life. Read, read the accounts of his life. He was betrayed by people that he was good to and that had been faithful to him, that turned on him at certain times. Joseph's own brothers betrayed him. But this scripture, Psalm 41.9 that I just read, that's speaking of Christ. It is a double prophecy, I guess. A double, uh, has a double meaning. It's speaking of the Lord. Jesus says this in Luke 22, But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. So none of this surprised the Lord, and it doesn't let Judas off the hook. Okay, let me tell you what, what the Lord says about Judas. The son of man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto the man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Okay? So we understand this, the fact Jesus knew it was going to happen. Judas is guilty. He's guilty of the sin, even though the Lord knew it was going to happen. He didn't cause it to happen. He allowed it to happen. And so he's not let off the hook. And we also know that Jesus died for our sins. So in one sense, you and I are responsible for Christ going to the cross, right? He was, he died for our sins. He, he died for the sins of the whole world. Surely he had borne our griefs, it says, and taken. Uh, he was wounded for our transgressions and so forth. So here's what I want to talk about this morning. That's the Lord's doing. That's the Lord's foreknowledge. He knows what he's doing. It does not let betrayal off. I mean, Judas offered betrayal. He betrayed the Son of God for money. He put a price tag on him, and he betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. He actually put a specific price on him in his own selfishness and self-will. And the priest, he and the priest discussed it, and they said, what will you give me? And there must have been some bartering back and forth. And they agreed upon 30 pieces of silver and said unto them, what will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they coveted with him for 30 pieces of silver. I'll take the 30 pieces of silver, Judas says, and you take Jesus. I'll take the 30 pieces of silver 
you take Jesus. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Jesus Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. The devil put it in there, and he let him. The devil tries to put a lot of things in our lives. We don't have to let it, right? We're to submit ourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from us. But he sold him out for a certain price. Judas Iscariot had spent three and a half years with Jesus. He had spent three and a half years with the Lord, uh, watching him, being taught by him, observing the miracles, and being loved by him. We can never forget, probably what was, if you ask John, what was the greatest thing about Jesus of all? It wasn't wasn't the feeding, multiplying the fish and the loaves or walking on water, raising Lazarus from the dead or all the miracles. He was said how he loved. How he loved. Judas was loved by the Lord. Having loved his own which were with him in the world, he loved them unto the end. That includes Judas. He loved him. He loved him to the end. So Judas says, priest, I'll take 30 pieces of silver and you take Jesus. So I begin to think about this for all of us. This is nobody in particular and all of us in particular. I begin to think, what price do I, do you place on Jesus? What do I value him at? That means to prize, to honor, revere, fix a valuation upon, to esteem. What value do I put on Christ? What price do I place on Jesus? And is there a certain price or value at which I would, I would esteem it sufficient that I would forsake the Lord? All of us, to a man, every person in here would say, no way, I would never do that. I just want us to think about it, okay? I just want us to think about it. Is there a price that I would consider sufficient that to receive in order that I would forsake Jesus Christ, where I would sell him something that I would value in my life more than Christ? Is there, is there a certain level of devotion that you have to Christ, a certain level at which you would stop and say no further? I follow the Lord this far, but no further. Is there something or someone that I desire more than Christ? You might say, well, my price is higher than Judas's or whatever. Whatever the price, is there a price that you would consider forsaking the Lord? Is there a cost to pay for following Christ? Think about your own life. Think about the day in which we're living as well. Is there a, a cost to pay for faithfully, faithfully following Jesus Christ at which I would say or you would say that's too high? That, that's too much. That's too costly. Don't want to be persecuted for the Lord to that degree. That's too much. The Bible already tells us ahead of time, count the cost. The Bible tells us ahead of time, yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So we know it's coming. To what degree? We've already been persecuted in society and, and things like that, maybe uh, in different ways. 
Is there a level of devotion to Christ you'd say, I'll go this far but no further? That's too costly. You can have Jesus. You can have him. It costs too much to serve the Lord. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't expect this. It's not worth it to me. He is not worth it to me. As I was studying and praying, just going to the same, same sermon you're hearing that I'm hearing, and I said, oh God, help us. Help us. We need the Lord to help us. Amen? We need the Lord to help us. In Hebrews, I'll just read it. But, but beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation. We're not of those that shrink back, Paul said. I'm not accusing you and I'm not expecting you to sell Jesus out, okay? I'm saying it's something we need to consider. If we have not, we need to think about it. I'm persuaded better things of you, and I pray that you are of me things that accompany salvation, but God help us if our thought is, I'll go this far, but no further. I'll go this far with Christ, but then this is, this is tougher going than I ever expected. This is a higher cost than I ever, ever expected, and I'm not sure I'm willing to pay this. I will go this far, but no farther. I'll pay this much but no more. I'll forsake or give up this much of the world around me to follow Christ, but no more. Lord, I've already given up so much to, to follow you. You might say I've given up high school friends from way back when. Given up my favorite TV shows in order to be holy. You want me to give this up too? Whatever it is, you can fill in the blank. What's the value? What's your value of the Lord? How do you esteem him in your own personal life? I can't do it for you and you can't do it for me. How do you value the Lord? You know, there are people in this world. I didn't even plan on saying this or look up the statistics. You might have seen there's been surveys done. How many, how many people will kill a complete, strain, complete stranger for $1,000? There's a lot, or for $10,000. There are people that will walk away from a marriage and walk away from children because they're bored. And go, just go. It happens. They don't esteem or value it. They esteem their own happiness, their temporary happiness, happiness at the moment, and they don't think twice about it, and they go on and go. What is, what is your price? For the Lord. What is your value of the Lord? The men and women that I read about in the Bible and that I admire, and Peter mentioned George Mueller today, the men and women in the Bible and since the Bible that have moved heaven and earth for God's sake and nations for Christ's sake are those men and women that have forsaken all. And I mean all for Jesus Christ. There's nothing in the tank. There's no reserve in the tank. I've forsaken 99.9%, .9%, but this is mine. 
the men and women that have moved heaven and earth and nations for Christ. And it'll be the same in our day that have moved this nation are going to be men and women and young people that forsake all for Christ. That's, how, that, that's the ones he's going to use. That's a vessel of honor. Doesn't mean that others aren't saved. Doesn't mean that others aren't going to go to heaven when they die. If they're washed in the blood of Christ, they are. But the ones that are going to move heaven and earth and America and nations and worlds and the ones that God can count on, the ones that are pleasing to the Lord, are the ones that have forsaken all and esteem Christ above all. They wouldn't sell him and they haven't sold him and they won't sell him and they didn't sell him for all. What price or value do you, do I, put upon Christ as far as my value of the Lord knowing the Lord? Just me knowing the Lord. What kind of value is that to your life? Because you know him now. You know him. You know what it's like to know the Lord. Okay? What value do you put on knowing Christ, on having him in your life every day, every moment of every day? What value do you put on Christ and having him as your Lord? And having him as your guide through life. And having him as your friend. What value do you place on living in the light of his favor? He's pleased with us. He's smiling upon us. We're blessed by God. What value do you put on, okay, well, I suffered. uh, I got overpassed for a promotion at work. I lost some friends at school for my stand for Christ. But the value I place on having Christ and walking in obedience to the Lord and the favor that he gives me in return, I value that as much more. You understand what I'm saying? This is what it it comes down to in reality. Judas Iscariot valued the Lord and was satisfied in exchange for Christ. He was satisfied with 30 pieces of silver. Say he was satisfied. Maybe momentarily he was. He ended up hanging himself with great remorse and regret. Esau, who we haven't talked about, I'm going to look at a few Bible examples. Esau was satisfied with a bowl of soup to forsake everything that was spiritual and eternal in relation to God. I'm just going to read this. Esau was faint. He'd been out hunting one day. I bet he'd been out hunting many times. That's what he did. He was a hunter. And I bet many times he came back hungry. Esau was faint. Behold, I am at a point to die. What profit shall this birthright be to me, he said to his brother Jacob. And so he sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage and lentils. That's beans. Gave him a little bread, a little soup, and some beans. And Esau did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. He had a a price for it, right? His birthright. This was no ordinary birthright. It wasn't even like yours or mine in one sense. In a physical sense, Esau was a descendant of Abraham and Isaac, the eternal covenant that God made. This was no ordinary birthright. And it says he despised his birthright, and, and it was worth a good hearty meal to him. That's what the value that he placed on it. Paul talks in 2 Timothy 4, the last passage of the last book that he wrote before he was martyred. He speaks of a man named Demas. We've heard about Demas, and we hear about him in this sense. Demas had been a co-laborer and a fellow laborer 
In earlier epistles, we read about him being a worker with Paul in the gospel. But Paul says at the end of his own life, Demas chose and loved this present loved and chose this present world and departed. He made his choice. Some point in Demas' life, we don't know the de- none of the details. He reached a point where he loved the world more than he loved Christ and following Christ. He didn't just forsake Paul. He forsook the Lord, having loved this world and departed. John says, beloved, love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is not of the Lord, but is of the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Right? And the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God does what? Abides forever. Here's the choice, right? What are you going to give in exchange for your soul and eternal life? Don't love the world, neither the things that are of the world. Demas made his choice. What about you? And I'm going to bring this to a close. I want us to have some time at the altar this morning. What about you and what about me? I'll live for God around my parents and around my church friends. But I'm not going to live for God around my friends at school or my friends at work. Too costly. I'll pray and read my Bible if I have time and if it doesn't interfere with my workout or my golf my fishing, or my sleep. I'll attend church and prayer as long as it doesn't interfere with something else I want to do. As long as I don't have to sacrifice something else. I'll go to the prayer meeting on Sunday night and church on Wednesday night as long as it doesn't interfere with my children getting a good night's sleep for school tomorrow you know it's proven that sufficient rest is very important to young growing bodies and so I want them to get a good night's sleep so they'll do better in school it's very important to them you know what else is important your children knowing Jesus Christ that's important Go to prayer meetings as long as it doesn't interfere with rehearsals or practices or tryouts. I'll give money to the things of God when I get caught up, when I get my bills caught up, when all of my other needs and wants are met first. Then I'll give some money. Good luck with that. I'll serve Christ until I find something else or someone else that I want more. I'm under the same sermon that you're under this morning, okay? Let it hit where it hits. I'm not trying to bring any condemnation. If you're not convicted, then don't be. Judas was a fool. Judas was a fool. His his fellow disciple and comrade and friend Peter 
even though he denied the Lord, he truly repented. He ended up dying for Jesus. He was no fool. Peter ended up dying for the Lord. Judas sold him out for 30 pieces of silver and went out and hanged himself. It was temporary insanity. You know, for better, better uh, lack of a better term. Sinful, temporary insanity to choose this world or anything in this world above Christ. Got to be. Esau was a fool. We're still talking about Esau in Hebrews. It says, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for a morsel of meat sold his birthright, sold it out for one good meal. That's what he valued it at. Demas was a fool, having loved this present world and departed. I'm going to close with this, y'all. Sometimes God gives me a prayer. Maybe it's for me. Maybe it's for our church. Lord, help us in our heart of hearts to know that in you we have fullness of joy, joy unspeakable. We have peace, the peace of God, and we have peace with God. That in you we have our all. That in you we are loved with a perfect love. In you our souls are satisfied. Our future is secure. In you we have the friend of all friends. In you we have the greatest purpose and fulfillment of life. We don't have to look elsewhere. Help us by faith to count everything else as dung. Lord, we will live for you all of our days and love you with all of our hearts. We will not sell you out for 30 pieces of silver. We will not sell you out in order to be popular with people around us. We will not sell you out for financial gain or worldly success. We won't sell you out for a girlfriend. We won't sell you out for a boyfriend. We won't sell you for anything that this world offers. We have Christ. And Lord, you have us. And we value you above all because you are above all. I want you all to stand with me. I haven't studied a whole lot. I've read it. I hadn't studied a whole lot, the Song of Solomon. But there's one scripture the Lord put on my heart to close with this morning as we're standing. The altar's open now, by the way, y'all. It was but a little that I passed from them, but I found him whom my soul loveth. I held him and would not let him go. Isn't that beautiful? Forget all the doctrinal things and everything like that right here. It's I found him whom my soul loves and I held him. I would not let him go. I'm not going to sell him out. I'm not going to sell him out because the going gets tough. God's going to have to give me the strength and he'll have to give you the strength. I'm going to put him first and I'm going to live for God by the grace of God. He knew that we're weak. He knows I couldn't, I couldn't live for God through the end of this day. If his Holy Spirit didn't help me, but his Holy Spirit does help me and he promises to help me. These altars are open. Father, we just come before you.